Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Braun Strowman, to my Brock Lesnar, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm great. Yeah, we, we're going to give the audience these hands today. Uh, and our very own, Roman Reigns, that's right. I hate it's, you. <laughs> it's Eric Ronovic. Oh, you know, you know I am the Braun, I am the strong, no, I'm all three, you guys are Roman Reigns. You guys get out of here. Hey, Roman Roman Reigns has been in the middle of WrestleMania. I'm Alexander, like, you're not Alexander, I'm the greatest. Also, there's a I chance that... Roman Reigns' gut is bigger than mine. Four years in a row. Roman Reigns has been in the main event of WrestleMania, Mm -hmm. Eric. That's because you're the top guy. You are the top guy. That's why I said that. How's it feel to be the top guy? Great. I don't uh, get. I don't get why people give Roman Reigns such a hard time. You this know? week I'm gonna be draft. Uh, listen up, guys. It's not his fault. Vince McMahon has like huge um, erection whenever he sees Roman Reigns. All right, let's let's get into Seahawks news for this week. It's a, a light week for Seahawks news. Um, I'm gonna start with this one. Earl Thomas. Lots of trade rumors continue to swirl. Lots of op eds. The hottest topic of Seattle sports radio this week was Earl Thomas's future. So I'm gonna ask you guys simply, over under. Six and a half games. How many games does Earl Thomas play in a Seahawks uniform? Over, under six and a half. Over, barring injury. Over, because he's not getting traded. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, I have a feeling there's a 0% chance he like plays out the contract. So he's going to hold... So are you, are you saying we're going to sign him to extension then? That's what your boys are both predicting extension? Seems likely, yeah. Um, if you look at the cap signings too, um, we have the money in the bank to uh, make an extension happen. And we uh, we are honest with our players about extensions, meaning we carry through with our promises. So I don't think he'll hold out. I think he'll get an extension in the first quarter of the season. I Or preseason. I think the Seahawks are gun-shy in terms of this rebuild and whether or not they want to give uh, 29-year-old Earl Thomas, no matter how great he is, uh, as much money as that stupid Eric Berry contract that I'm 100% sure Kansas City would love to be out from under right now. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I think that's part of the waiting game that they're playing. Uh, the value for safeties is so low right now that I think there's somewhat of a wait and see approach to this. As hoping you know, a, hoping a team misses out in the draft and then needs needs Earl really bad, or hoping that Earl and his team kind of get the message based on no one getting money and safety just not being valued that uh, he's not going to get a really good contract extension elsewhere. Like, at this point, you might as well tell them, oh, yeah, why don't you shop around and see what kind of a deal you can get, and uh, we can make and we can work out a trade based on that. Here's here's my problem with that. there's a decent chance they'll end up working out nothing. If Earl does that and he comes back with, like, a, the Richard Sherman contract where there's all these crazy guarantees, like, I don't like playing that game. Does that make sense? I don't like playing that, like, oh, yeah, if you play, like, an all-pro, we have to give you literally the world. Like, that does not – I don't like that. I agree with that, but that's the point, is that's the only – that's the max deal he's going to get is something like the Richard Sherman deal, which on the surface sounds like, oh, that's a lot of money, but that's not a very good deal. It's certainly not a great deal for Richard Sherman. For Earl, I think it could pay off almost in a reverse way. Like, it will pay off at first, but it will not pay off – in the long term. And that's ultimately what Earl Thomas wants. Earl Thomas wants more money, you know, overall. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. We're, we're, we're dealing with technical difficulties. No, no. I, I, I was just funny that Kevin just said, yep. Okay. So, <laughs> it, anyway, uh, Pro Football Focus Draft Room wrote an article this week. I highly recommend it. Um, it's They write an article for basically every team. Uh Two interesting tidbits from, or actually, you know what? There's three interesting tidbits from this team. One, the Seahawks are 26th in the league in terms of the overall war of players drafted from 2013. So that's bad. Um, Since 2013. Explain that. So that means that the players, the wins above replacement, you know, the 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 pro football focus is is trying to make like a value stat. Kind of like baseball. Like they do baseball. Does that work for football? Not as much, but I. But it's you know it's a. What I like about stuff like this, it's a quick and dirty way to generally figure out how good players are. Like a player's not going to be totally suck at this. If they're not going to have a really bad pro football fo- focus rating, if they're good, someone might be underrated by the metric, like Earl Thomas, for example, who I th- is criminally underrated by pro football focus, but it's not that. Like it's never like he's still like the eighth best safety, which is ridiculous, but fine whatever uh it's not as bad as it could he's not like he's 400th or you know he's not last in the league now a lot of that 26 ranking though has to do with uh two disappeared first round picks in that time because two that's where a lot of your value we have from. only picked in round one one time since 2013 
according to this chart that they made. Yeah, but uh, some of those were tradebacks. I'm talking about where we just like one of them was Percy Harvin and one yeah. of them was Jimmy Graham. Seven second round picks, uh, a lot of third round picks, way more than seven. Um, some of some of the hits, according to them, Lockett, Clark, Griffin, Bowie, Michael Bowie, who graded well as a run blocker in our Super Bowl championship team. Um, sure, Paul Richardson. Uh, players that were total uh, have not done well. Effetti, Posic, who was, according to pro football, the pro football focus stats for Posic are very not good. Uh, Odiambo, Vanette, and Glowinski. And a lot of people forget that, like, we picked Odiambo in round three, and Glowinski was also round, round three. three, and they bo- they both have been kind of disappointing. That's a pretty high pick to spend on someone to get, like, basically nothing out of, or a lot of very, very mediocre to bad play. And then on the flip side, uh, Vanette and Posich are both players where you're going, well, they've only been in the league one year, and Pro Football Focus, as well as anybody else on earth, will admit it yeah. takes a couple of years to really get an idea of what a player's doing. Yeah, I think I think so those still have time to rebound. As much as we reached for offensive linemen, this I feel is, like th- Pro Football Focus is reaching in. We are heading into year three for Vanette, Kevin. I know the first year was basically like he did so little that you forget it existed. <laughs> but but is this he were we had two years now, um, and he rated below fifty in both of them. But he has not seen the field with Jimmy Graham and sure. uh, all, all-time favorite Luke Wilson. Well, regardless, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year when he actually plays. But the big thing is you're comparing apples to apples in that the same's true about the 2016 and 17 picks for all the other teams. So what that shows is we dealt away two first-round picks and have not gotten a ton of value from anybody else, which that is a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, you're right. It's a comparative stat, putting us 26th. The other interesting tidbit for this, uh, so the first-round picks, we don't we lack them. Our draft prowess has not been what it once was. You know, we're not doing as great finding those hidden gems. The other thing is 80% of our picks come from Power 5 conferences, which I thought was um, pretty interesting. I, I kind of knew that in the back of my head. Like, the Seahawks like drafting established players that played against really good competition, but I didn't realize it was like that much does that yeah. make sense that's a really strong trend on <laughs> yeah. the team so so 80 percent of our players so when you're looking at play when we talk later about players the seahawks might draft you're going to notice we bring up a lot of guys who are in power five conferences and that's because the seahawks have a tendency to go for those kind of players um the last thing is janikowski came in for a visit so on a scale of one to ten how many beers would you want to drink with sebastian janikowski eric eight Eight, and you know I don't drink a lot of beer. Yeah, you could party. So, whoa, whoa, seven, seven, seven. You could it's party with Janikowski. I like it, Kevin. Uh, yeah, we're going ten. Kevin's going ten. Just make sure to take the keys, Kevin, because he can afford an Uber. Okay, that's that, all. that's a fact. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski is uh, the all-time leader in 50-plus yard field goals. He has 55 field goals from over 55 yards. He also has the most attempts, so it's not the most impressive. Uh, I mean, it's impressive because he gets to try a lot because he's really good. He's 40 years old. He had um, his probably his worst season of his career last year, but it was still much better than the season that Blair Walsh had. Cut for salary cap reasons by Oakland. Also, I think Gruden seems like he's just kind of reshaping the roster in his own image, you know? So. And also because he was a cut player, he will not count against what we've been talking about for uh, signings and... Uh, draft picks so that also lines him up better with the offseason philosophy of seattle because he was cut he will not count towards our pile of players that are pulling nice. us out of compensatory picks so uh, that's that could be a factor here which is why you might see him get a little bit of a payday yeah uh yeah that's all for that's all the things i had about specifically about seahawks news we also we have some other seahawks content coming up in a minute any other news that you guys heard not for our team. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty light week. Um, my other favorite article from this week: field goals, uh, Sands Film Room, uh, did, did a Darius Geis um, video. They've done a series on running backs, and they've all been pretty good. Sam's Film Room is really good. I highly recommend it. Sam Gold at Samuel R Gold on Twitter. Uh, you can also go hit him up on YouTube, Samuel Gold. He makes these uh, draft film room videos that are really fun to watch. He did Saquon Barkley. He did Darius Geis. He's, um, I don't know who else he's done. Uh, Vita Vea. Derwin James, um, Akrum Wadley. Even though they are our, uh, you know, our he- hated in-town rivals, <laughs> yeah, field goals. Uh, field goals blocked us on Twitter. Come on, field goals. Make What's that. going on? Come come at me. He did a Lamar at Jackson one. You can't. He did a Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And um, I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, I think that is a uh, 
Interesting debate, the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen thing. Me and Kevin always have been talking about it a lot lately off we'll of the We'll bring podcast. it up next week, too, so on the podcast, right before the draft. Next week, if you want to hear our opinions on Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, there's a there's a teaser, and I hate teasers, so you know I, I wouldn't do that lightly. Uh, but, but yeah, if you've video- been listening, you already know our opinion. We're just going to back <laughs> up the stats. Uh, Darius Geis, though, big fan. Um, pretty good. We'll talk about him in just a minute. Let's go to NFL, NFL news. Um, my favorite NFL stories of the week, Marcus Mariota was at the Special Olympics and refused to leave till every kid got to catch a pass from him. That's yeah. pretty red. Uh, I already like stories. Already like Mariota. That made me like him more. Uh, Robert Griffin III is a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, that makes yeah, they, sense. They pounced on him because the Jags were going to bring him in, and they're like, no, we need this guy because we have Joe Flacco. And we also want to stop you from replacing anybody who could possibly replace Blake Bortles. Um <laughs> The, the, there was a really bizarre, uh, like the the Oakland cut Mar- Marquette King, and then there was a lot of weird stories about it. Like he's a punter with too much personality, so we can't have him. And now he's on the Broncos. I don't understand why that was. That was like the biggest NFL offseason story, in my opinion. It was. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Uh, it was because John cut. Rudin wants to go back to 1998 when punters weren't humans or something. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, another one. Uh, multiple NFL players were arrested for bomb jokes this week. In airplanes, uh, Trevor Davis and uh, former 49er superstar Alden Smith uh, both got arrested on planes. Uh, let's see. Bad plane week. Oh, Sean McVay is apparently like uh, a Christ-like figure and everyone loves playing with him or coaching with him and playing for him. Yeah, it's one of those things. Whenever you have a, when you have a um, new young coach who's popular, we like... Or just kind of a new energetic coach. I'll remember all those stories coming out about Pete Carroll from like uh, 2011 through 2013. And, you know, this is one of those stories that cycles every once in a while. Just like somewhere in the leagues, there's someone who's in the greatest shape of their entire life. There's also a player who probably has tried a new diet that is going to give them more energy for the entire season. Yes. And somebody else is coming in with a whole new attitude. These are all just like classic offseason stories. I, uh, we, they, he added more muscle this year. Which is going to help him with in his injuries. And then he lost a lot of weight this year because last year he was too muscular. So this year he won't get as many yeah, injuries. Yeah, that's next year's story. Exactly. How about this? Johnny Menzel blamed the Browns coaching for because he said he didn't understand the pro offense and no one in the quarterback room would help him or it could help teach him. Did he uh, uh, n- never play Madden? Uh, I don't know. I run the spread in Madden, so I, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't help you with that. Yeah, and then Johnny Menzel's had a few years to do something about it and... All indications are that he's basically the exact same quarterback still um, from his spring game game. Yeah, I watched the the highlights of that. He's still under through his receivers, uh, wide open. I don't... He, he still makes really impressive plays and then absolutely falls apart because yeah. he is the same quarterback he was last time he took a snap for the Browns. Um, so then a couple other things. Uh the Jordan Matthews is on the Patriots. God, uh, that's a good contract, too. It's a really good contract, one-year contract. I don't think they needed more slot cornerbacks or what wide receivers, slot wide receivers, I mean. But, okay. I mean, whatever, I guess. The Titans have new uniforms. Eric, how terrible on a – so, one is the worst, ten is the best. What would you rate them? Uh, they're sixes. Sixes? I would give them a four. I really did not like they're these not, They're not the worst thing. It's just – it's a lot of blue. It looks like if someone recreated – the Seahawks jerseys in Madden create uniform, and instead of green, put some red in it. My thing for it is it looks like someone like went on Madden, Madden create uniform and was like trying to make new Titans uniforms and then just kind of gave up after a while. And was just, I'll make this second uniform all dark blue. Screw it. Yep. <laughs> like, because like, it's so dark blue and it's just not good. See, that's for me. It looks like somebody went on a uh, NFL football or went on a football video game that didn't have licensing and made their own Tennessee Titans and that's what the jersey came out looking like uh, that's the thing Kevin uh, a lot of fans have done that before this happened and those look pretty good <laughs> it's just it's fine I don't know they're paying a lot of money for a, a jersey that is not inspiring all right two more stories Andrew Luck who uh, people still some people still won't give up that Russell Wilson is better than Andrew Luck don't understand those people at all. But um, Andrew Luck still hasn't picked up a foot- NFL-sized football yet. How do you feel about that? I hope he's throwing the little <sighs> mini Nerf ones that have the whistler in it. That's in it. That would make me so With happy. the tail? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, Balances it out. So I gotta be honest. Spiral. That, that's kind of a sad story. I'm, I'm being honest. That's... <clears throat> I'm not I'm not like a huge Andrew Luck fan, but that 
And that kind of bums me out. I hope he does get to play just because, honestly, we have a dearth of decent quarterbacks. I don't have a problem with him as a human being. I have a problem with how people treated him. He himself never bothered me. All right. And then an asshole comment of the week, people that we hate. Bob McNair said on inmates in prison comment, the main thing I regret is apologizing. All right. We all hate Bob McNair. So let's just move on from that. Yep. (laughs) I cannot. That a real piece of shit. I just don't understand how anyone, like he's going to, they're going to, Houston's going to have trouble getting free agents at some point because of this. And that guy needs to just go. Well, he's going to die pretty soon. So that's going to solve itself. All right. Good. Houston. He's either going to die soon and it's going to solve itself, or he's going to get Donald Sterling. Like they're sure. going to they're going to sure. drive him out of the league. All right, at a bargain. So we're going to cover a few positions that we think the Seahawks could go for in draft this side. This today we're doing mostly offense, right, Kevin? Yeah, we're going to take a, take a, check out two offensive position groups and one defensive position group. The reason why these three were chosen this week is because these are three position groups where. Um, the pattern is the strongest for Seattle. Sure. Like, they really have a type. And uh, another p- reason that uh, we're doing this... Uh, the, oh, my gosh. My brain just stopped working, guys. Just want you to let you know. Hey, welcome back to teaching, Nathan. Um, yeah, it's like this is my, only my second day back at work, and I think my brain just uh, shut off. <laughs> but the... Um, the thing for us is that a lot of us believe the Seahawks are going to trade down and pick up a bunch of middle, a bunch more picks. Uh, the Seahawks only pick, like we said, the Seahawks only pick in the first round one time since twenty third in twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen. So it's very likely that the Seahawks will end up with multiple selections. So we're going to try to figure out exactly who might be available and what kind of players the Seahawks are going to be looking at in those situations. So what what position do you want to start with, Kevin? So you're, let's start with running back. Since you're the draft Nick in our group. Running back. All right. Um, so we're going to go over some of running backs. Kevin, do you want to talk about first round, middle round? How did you want to approach this? I just want to. Well, I'm going to start by talking about kind of the overall type. And Sweet. I know that, Nathan, you could talk about kind of draft strategy. Okay. Because I know that's kind of your passion on this. Okay. So to talk quickly about Seahawks running backs. So, again, Field Goals has talked about this. A few other sites have. But, you know, we're going to bring it to your eardrums right now. So the Seahawks look for a very specific type of running back. They want them between 5'10 and 6'1", between about 215 and 230 pounds. They want a broad jump over 10 foot, a vertical jump over 35 inches, and a sub 4'6540 time. So those broad jump and vertical times, that's like explosiveness. So if your broad jump is over 10 and your vertical is over 35, that's usually an indication that you're the kind of running back that's going to have like a strong cutting skills. You're going to be able to uh, explode. It's, it's your acceleration, basically. And then sub 465 just basically means that they aren't going to draft any of the super slow running backs. Okay. So we got fast running back that can make big cuts. And we've seen these guys on our team before. Rawls. Big first cut, right? Yep. He has that giant first jump. So to give a couple of stats for those guys, so Rawls, um, four four six forty, thirty five and a half vertical, um, and he was just under ten foot. He was nine feet eight inches on the broad jump. Okay, and then did you have another? Did you have another one? Uh, I don't, don't want to cut you off early. What about pro size? Did you write down pro size this stuff? So pro size, I didn't have because uh, pro size, I believe, didn't test that year because he was injured. He's an athletic marvel, though. It's the same kind of it's the same kind of uh, category here, where it's just such yeah, a he's uh, super athletic. Uh, Krista Michael, um, ten foot five inches on the broad jump, forty three inch vertical, four five four forty. Um, Robert Turbin, Spencer Ware, Chris Carson. Chris Carson, since he's still on the roster, he's an interesting one. Six foot two eighteen, ten foot ten inch broad jump, which is huge. Thirty nine inch vertical, four five eight forty. Like so, these are all guys that are very like prototypical. So for Kevin, regular listeners to this podcast will know something that makes me really mad is that when I start my draft analysis earlier, and then I see these articles come out later, and then they match what I think. That yep. makes me mad. <laughs> so like. When I look at Pro Football Focus's draft guide and they bump Royce Freeman all the way up to seventh, I'm like, dog, I was on that like a month and a half ago. Please stop getting on my corner. You know, like that's my corner. Stay off my corner, right? Like I want people to stay off my corner. 
So except the Seahawks, we want the Seahawks to come on. Yeah, Seahawks. Corner. I want the Seahawks they, to be able they can to get all up on our corner. Basically, my problem was I wanted the Seahawks to be able to get Royce Freeman in round five and now or four, and that's not possible anymore. That's not a thing that's going to happen. He's going to be like round three or four still. Yeah, he's, Honestly, I think he's three. This is a really loaded running back class, right? There's so there's six running backs. I would say are first second rounders: uh, Saquon Barkley, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Darius Geis. There's a couple guys that have chances to bust in there: Royce Freeman, Carryon Johnson. Uh, of those guys. Which guys um, fit the profile for you, for, for us? All right, so of those guys, uh, Nick Chubb is the one that checks every box. 5'11", 227, 10 foot, 8 inches on the broad jump, 38 and a half inch vertical, 4'5", 240. He's also extremely productive, and we know that uh, Judge Snyder and P. Carroll like the high productivity guys. This is an SEC running back with almost 5,000 career yards uh, um, rushing. Yep. And so this is like this this person has proven themselves effective as a runner. Right. He's had ninety six point two elusive rating in Pro Football Focus. He was fifth in college football on that stat. He thirty five percent of his tackles were not tackled on first contact. That's twenty first in the nation. Really good, strong performance. And you're right. He checks all the the uh, combine boxes. Man, I cannot speak today. Uh, this is the guy <laughs> who really deservingly draws some Marshawn Lynch comparisons. Mm-hmm. Like you watch people bounce off of his pads. All yeah. day long. And height is not important to the team because he is kind of short. He's 5'11", yeah. which um, usually between 5'10 and 6'1 is what we go with. But we've gone over and under that in the past. That's the thing. Um, there's These are kind of, uh, there's like harder rules and softer rules. Like we do not go over 4'6'5 in the 40. But like we've gone, like uh, Rawls was 5'9". Or um, a couple of the running backs have been like under the desired weight. Or, like, maybe the broad jump wasn't quite there. But they have to be, like, in that area. So Chubb is, like, the perfect match. Um, Darius Geis, Ronald Jones, Sonny Michel, Royce Freeman, and Carrion Johnson, and Rashad Penny all check several of the boxes. The best matches, though, are Carrion Johnson um, and Rashad Penny out of the group. Rashad Penny's nuts. I mean, second in the nation in elusive rating, number one in breakaway, number one in not tackled on first contact. He ran a four four six forty. Like the 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 athlete, the raw athleticism is pretty crazy. The thing is, he can't block at all. Right. Um. He's one of the worst pass blocking, uh, running backs that I, that that I've seen graded. So it's tough because he's so above average in everything else. It's like, what you got to have. Do you just never have him play third down? Like, I don't know what you do, right? Right. Our first and second down only running back. Wait, what about, um, there's always, you know, you hear about these stories in the NFL. He couldn't block in college, but now he's picked it up. You know, that happens with some teams. I don't, no names come to mind, but is that something that he can pick up if you're that crazy about it? uh, Nate will talk about it more, but the short answer is uh, yes, that is something that gets coached up, but it's a question of whether or not your quarterback killed year one. And it also takes time. Like, Carrion Johnson's already a good pass blocker, like a really good pass blocker. So, like, do you want to spend a bunch of time training some guy to pass block, or do you just want to get, like, Carrion Johnson, bring him in and say, yeah, he already knows how to pass block? I guess my question is... It is also a weakness of Freeman. Freeman is a pretty below average pass blocker as well. Do you um, see that it could be easily improved upon or is it just not worth it? It's common to see that as a stat that improves in the NFL. Okay. Um, like uh, Amir Abdullah was a guy that was knocked for that really badly. And when he's been on the field, he's turned into somebody who can do it functional. Like you're probably, if you're not already okay, you'll probably never be great, but you'll be passable. Like okay. they can, they can teach you how to read the room. And not a lot of guys come out and, and a lot of them just come out as polished pass blockers. Like, there's only a couple yeah, of Ezekiel them. Ezekiel Elliott and then Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott is a rare example of a guy who had, like, every tool, including pass blocking. Saquon Barkley is probably similar. Saquon Barkley has made some pretty uh, gross blocks, like, awesome blocks yeah. for a running back in his college career. Um, his grades are not, like, super great, but that's because they asked. I mean, he didn't play he every snap, but he was out on passing plays all the time. And so, If you were to ask me in that like second and third round area, the two that I like the most and the two that line up with what Seattle likes the most, Nick Chubb, who I already went through, and Carrion Johnson out of Auburn. He's 5'11", 213, 10-foot, 6-inch on the broad jump, 40-inch vertical, 4'5", 440, like freak athletic ability there. Um, 2,500 yards in the SEC. I... Uh, you know, playing in an Auburn offense that asks you to do a lot of different things. He's functioned as a pass catcher. He was splitting carries with uh, Cameron Petway. 
And so his numbers are a little bit lower than they otherwise would be. But I think that Chubb and Carryon Johnson are probably the two best matches. Yeah, I think they like a they like a guy that can catch a pass, even if because that's the thing I I ran into with Ronald Jones. I like the way Ronald Jones runs. I hate that he didn't do everything at the combine. That bugs me. Yes. Um, but, but he got hurt. Yeah, he was hurt, so he has a reason not to. It just bugs me that I don't know. Yes. Uh, but he's a non-factor in the pass game, right? Like yeah. he just doesn't. He basically can't. He doesn't block. He blocks okay, but he, and he doesn't catch. He's His a re- below average blocker, and not only does he not have like a lot of catches on record, he has a lot he of has drops. Some bad drops. Yeah. yeah. His seven percent or six point seven percent of his passes last year, he dropped, which is not great. So if the team really believes in uh, CJ Procise, maybe we go for Ronald Jones. You know, to like that's like a good group, right? Procise plays on pass downs. But Kyle, why wouldn't you do Chubb then? Yeah, well, I just think Ronald Jones will be available later. I think Ronald, later. Ronald Jones right now has the hype. They're talking like he's late one, early two, and I he don't is a really spectacular see runner. Let's just say that. Like, he, it's like Rashad Penny. He's an impressive athlete. That's true. He's, it's just like when he runs the ball, you're just like, whoa, he does things on a football field. I can barely believe. And he, since he went to USC, he's playing against higher level competition than Penny, who went to San Diego State. I love Rashad Penny. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. Yeah, and it, also Penny did not always do well against higher level competition. Um, or like you saw at the Senior Bowl, he had one really great pass reception, but then he's just, he can be a little inconsistent. Just, he's a little ba- he's a little boom bust, kind of like Barkley. You never know, too. Like sometimes you get the guy from Tulane last year um, that's on New Orleans. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my, my, uh, Alvin Kamara from Tennessee. Tennessee. No, no, no. The guy that's from Tulane that's on Kansas City. Kareem oh, Hunt. Kareem Hunt Some from. Uh, uh, wasn't it Tulane? No, it's Tulsa or Toledo. It's some T school that's mid level, right? It's, it's Tulsa. Tulsa, the Golden so, Hurricane. Okay, so so yeah, yeah. So you get Kareem Hunt from Tulsa. And, oh no, it's Toledo. It is Toledo. I was right. Dang it! Yeah, no, I did. you said Tulane. Oh dang it! <laughs> we were both wrong. That's even worse. I said Tulsa or Toledo. I was half right. I'll take the credit. <laughs> okay. So anyway, you get him though, and it works out perfectly. And a lot of times when you draft guys from outside Power Five schools, you just never know what you're getting. Is what I'm saying. Rashad it's, Penny it's more of a question mark. Rashad Penny is like the he could be the best running back in this draft, and he also could just be a non-factor. You just never know. I lean more towards factor, but yeah, you just never you just never know. I just want to say the the Seahawks like to bank on kind of surer things. I feel like is one of their things. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised to see us pick one of the uh, the more sure thing running backs. And Nathan, I'm gonna give you a chance here because uh, I I agree with you about Royce Freeman being really good. Um, statistically, he doesn't really he doesn't completely match up, but he's in the window. Like he has a nine foot ten inch broad jump, or, or yeah, broad jump, hey, four, and a thirty four inch vertical, you're in a four, which is five, really really close. You're in a four five forty, which you're is in a not... four five four. So his stats are within the range that the Seahawks would draft. But I want you to talk about him for a second because I know how um, much you like him. He had eighty catches. He he just runs really good. He has really good vision. I like he has the way fifty six hundred career yards. He's huge. He's two hundred and thirty plus pounds. Um, he he carried the rock a lot. He played in all four seasons. Uh, his the last three years he has six hundred and ninety three <laughs> rushing attempts, which is quite a few. Um, he averaged over six yards a carry. Uh, he had three point seven yards after contact. Um, he made one hundred seventy eight tacklers missed last three years. Forty two touchdowns. He just. He's huge, and you can tilt the rock. On day one, Royce Freeman might the in day one he might be really, really good. The thing yes. is, there's just not. I don't see them there being a big trajectory where like Royce Freeman year one and Royce Freeman year five. He's not going to be like a totally different player. But he could be Jonathan Stewart, in my opinion. Right, like he's just going to be solid for 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 pretty for a lot of years. It's not like guys where you could see him like maybe year one he's not great, but then by year three he's the best one of the best running backs in the NFL. Right. <laughs> And then I want to talk about one guy in this uh, round window that I don't like. Okay. Um, people are going to look at Kalen Balage out of Arizona State and go, well, he's 6'1", he's 228, he had a broad jump over 10, he had a 4.46.40. Kalen Balage had no productivity. Uh, less than 2,000 career rushing yards, uh, 684 passing or receiving yards, but he was used kind of as a wide receiver. This is a guy who flashed everything and showed nothing. One, I really don't want Kalen Balazs. Last year, 157 attempts for 669 yards, 4.3 yards a carry. Uh, just, just uh, he's like he falls into the intriguing prospect uh, category. And I don't want to spend a second or third round pick on an intriguing prospect. Yeah, he's a ele- he ranks 11th on this list of prospects I'm looking at, which yeah, that, that means he could sneak into like round three, which would be quite a reach. 
Um, is there anyone else in the later rounds that you uh, you're interested in? Like, what about what do you think about Bo Scarborough, Kevin? So I'm going to bring <laughs> up John Kelly and Bo Scarborough. All right, are the two other running backs who hit every statistical measure the Seahawks like? Yeah. So John Kelly out of Tennessee, 5'10", 216, ten foot broad, thirty five inch vertical, ran a four five four at his pro day. Um, Bo Scarborough, six one, two twenty eight, ten foot nine in the broad jump, forty inch vertical, ran a four five two. Bo Scarborough is a freak athlete. And he's good in short yardage, which a lot of people didn't think he was. But there are a lot of really good questions about his vision. And like, this is a dude who's, I don't know if he can find the hole. And it could be one of those situations we run into with, like, uh, Thomas Rawls, where it seems like he runs into the tackle a frustratingly large amount of the time. You can, you can make a lot of dings on Bo Scarborough, too. You could be like, he can't pass block at all. Um he his overall pass game production his, is a question. 2017 was easily the worst season uh production wise. Way worse in 2016 and then even his limited time he played before that it was worse, much worse. So yeah, I just there's a lot of questions about Bo Scarborough and he's only a junior too. I mean he had a whole other season of eligibility. He could have came back and tried to, you know, repair his image and chose yeah. not to. I dropped 10% of his passes last year, too. If Bo Scarborough is sitting there and we can get a flyer on him in the 6th or 7th round, I would totally bring him in then. I would not want to spend anything higher than that. And John Kelly, I feel like, is almost the same running back. Um, it's really hard because Tennessee's offense was so weird the last couple of years. It's really hard to know what you have in him. Um, so a couple of players that I really like. John, John Kelly's a good pass catcher, though. Let's yes. like. You know, John Kelly's uh, he's different than Bo too because he's smaller. Like he's more of a yeah five ten two sixteen. He's more of like a mid size back. Yeah, he's, um, he's a little more mobile. I think is a better way to put it. But you're right. There's no production. Like he his most rushing attempts he had in a season was 189. Like you just don't know what you're getting out of John Kelly. He could he could be anything. He's violent though. I like that. Like he just he goes for it. Yep. So two guys that are going to be a little later round picks. Um, high productivity. Uh, competitive conference. Uh, one of them's like projected in rounds three to five. The other one's gonna be like rounds five to seven. Um, Josh Adams out of Notre Dame, six two two twenty ten foot two in the broad four four eight forty at his pro day. Uh, th- uh, Thirty two hundred career rushing yards. Um, he's been a factor in the passing game with really middling quarterbacks. And he's a really interesting player. Josh Adams could be a really, really good running back. He might be a little bit of a steal in the draft. Um, he was utilized in kind of an odd fashion at Notre Dame. That I don't think that he's going to be the best running back to come out of this draft, but he's a guy who could definitely make an impact. Yeah, the my favorite thing, seven yards of carry last year, five after contact. Yep. So it's not like he's he's just, you know, getting out, out there. Because yep. you think he's got that really good offensive line with McGlinchey and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, nope, that wasn't all. And he hits it. He's big, too. Um, yes. He broke at least one tackle in every game, too. He's just a bruiser. I like him. Uh, he, Opposite on the spectrum? He just needs, He has no short area quickness. Yep. That's what. That's why you're right. He's he's just a total... You don't know, but I just think that that holds him back quite a bit. What, what's your other one? Uh, the opposite of the spectrum is Justin Jackson out of Northwestern. Six foot, 199, 10 foot, 2 in the broad, 38 and a half vertical, 4'5", 240. This dude had 5,400 yards and uh, running and uh, 858 yards receiving in at Northwestern, which is kind of a limited offense. Um, yep. He's been the dude there for like the last several years. Super high productivity. This is like your like really strong third down back. If he's available in the sixth or seventh round, this is in my mind like a direct upgrade to JD McKissick. Justin Jackson? Justin Jackson. Yeah, my only thing is that like his pass block grade was I just kinda skipped past him because his pass block grade was bad. And but the but the other peripherals are good. He's a good pass catcher. He really good yards per route run for a running back too. One point three six. That's nice. Yeah, and he has a I think that his uh pass blocking numbers are suffering from something very similar to Saquon Barkley. Um, because he was kind of their only playmaker. They couldn't really have him into pass block that much. Because yeah. they, they needed him to make plays. They just didn't have dudes. Mm, all right. And then what, what, what position are we going to next? All right. So next. So those are our running backs that you uh, you maybe will be seeing on draft day. Um, let's make a prediction really quick, though. Do you think the Seahawks are going to make an, an extra effort to draft a running back? Let's all make a prediction right now. I think they're going to draft a running back somewhere between the – I think they're going to draft a running back on between somewhere between the first and fourth round. Eric, what do you think? I also say early pick for the running back. Uh, 
if we stay in the first round, I could see that. I'm still I'm still sticking with cornerback in the first round if we stay there. But uh, running back, it's got to be a priority for this team. Well, if we trade back to like 29th, I could see us getting Chubb there. My thing for running back is I think this team more than others realizes that you can get a running back later in the draft. The problem is is that they've been drafting the wrong guys over and over. So yes. I don't tr- I don't know if I trust them. Like they have been doing the right thing, which is try to take a running back in the third round and hit gold because that's what everyone else did, right? But it's just they keep picking the wrong guy. So I'm I'm not confident that this team can pick the right running back, but they're going to pick a running back in like the fourth or fifth round. Or it's also like, you know, when we do fantasy football together, uh, there's always going to be a run on a certain position. And when that happens, if you don't have a pick at that time, your pick could be gone. Are you going to trade up to get him? Or are you just going to be, you know, and, settle on a guy that you don't really want later on? And when that happens, you got to trick Scott into paying way too much money for a bad player. <laughs> That's my strategy. So uh, quick recap. We really love Nick Chubb. We really love uh, Royce Freeman um, and Kenyon, or not Kenyon, Barner. My goodness. Kerryon Johnson. You pulled, a, you pulled a Nathan right there. Uh, and those are the ones that we feel are fairly likely good fits would be excellent. Um, later on, you might take a look at Josh Adams or Justin Jackson. We're wary about Bo Scarborough and some of the other lower productivity backs. Hey, and can I-, I do not like Caleb Blasch. Can I? Hey, can I? Uh, can I? Can I say something? Yes. I think Jamal Morrow might be a good NFL player, even though he. I know that WSU running back is like a weird thing when we run the air raid, but I would he love was, to see him as a. UDFA. He was really good at like making people miss. If we picked him in like the sixth or seventh round, I'd be super into it, uh, just because obviously it'd mean we saw something at his pro day that fit well for us. But his measurables are kind of similar to Rawls too. Yeah, he's he's actually pretty pretty decent productivity, except for there's no volume because you can't get more than like a hundred carries a season in mm-hmm. the WSU offense. All right, um, what position did you want to do next? So guy? offensive line, just in general, you want tackles and guards and centers. Tackle all guard ones? center. Yep. Oh man, here we go. Let's do it. So uh, I want to dive into this real quick, and so the statistical measure thing here is twofold. Number one, Seattle picks offensive linemen with an arm length of 33 inches or greater with rare exception which makes a lot of sense you need to keep them off your body especially when you need like more mobile line play the other thing is uh there's something that was referred to by the people at uh the seahawk draft blog as tef or trench trench explosive formula which is taking a look at a player's bench press vertical jump and broad jump which tells you uh, their requisite strength and explosiveness as an offensive lineman. So ideally, um, according to the Seahawks front office, you want to have 27 reps on the bench, um, 31-inch vertical leap, and 108-inch broad jump. And that's like their perfect measurables for the offensive lineman, which gives you a three on this TEF, trench explosive formula. What's 108 inches in 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 feet? Because I so that's sorry uh, on my draft thing. It's like nine. It's like nine feet four inches. Here, wait. 108 divided by 12 is nine feet. So it's got to be nine feet feet or greater. Okay. So uh, you're looking for, and that all comes out to a three on this TEF. And if you look at like Pro Bowls. Usually all but like one of the offensive linemen to make a Pro Bowl in a given year will have scored a three on this formula, right? So it's one of those things where there's a lot of players who hit this formula and don't end up being great, but a lot of the players that do end up being great make this formula. Oh, there's guys that I there's guys that I would have expected to to ace this formula that didn't too. Yes. Like that's I would a have fact. like like can I just say one right now? Yeah. Like McGlinchy McGlinchy did not broad jump. Eight, eight, nine. Like he was under vertical jump. What was yep. the vertical jump? Thirty-one. He had twenty-eight point five. Yep, and twenty-four instead of twenty-seven on the reps. Um, so he was a two point seven three on this TEF. Yeah, to give you an idea, like Jermaine Effetti was a two point nine seven. Uh, Justin Britt was a perfect three. Perfect three. Exactly. I like how you said that. Uh, Christian Sokoli, who you remember, we tried to convert. From defensive line to center. Forgot all about that. He was like a 3.75. So, Kevin, what's Orlando Brown then? Uh, Negative seven. You you didn't actually do the math? Why would I do the math on that? But can I I say his? This is a guy who's probably going to get drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. so bad. 14 bench presses of 225 pounds. I'm not going to I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I can do 14 benches of 225 pounds, okay? And I'm just a fat white guy like i i'm sorry like i just don't understand how a guy's gonna a six foot eight 350 pound guy is gonna play in the nfl and he can only do 14 benches of, oh my gosh 
Like, and I'm not trying to Mount Horn. Like that, like that. I don't think that is not good for an NFL athlete. 19.5 inch vertical jump, six foot ten inch broad jump. Like I have problems with uh, that. Is staggeringly bad. The broad jump is the one that bothers me because he could have literally just fallen forward with his arms outstretched and gotten a lot more than that. Um, all right, that's a problem. So. So do that, you want to talk a little bit about man, offensive line philosophy? It eliminates or? Tyrell Crosby too. So yeah. all right, so we got we we're eliminating guys all over the place that I thought the Seahawks might be interested in, Kevin. That that you're you're opening my horizon. So Tyrell Crosby out, Orlando Brown out, McGlinchey probably not. So who are some guys we would go for? So that puts McGlinchey on the edge. This is a little tough because there's a number of prospects like uh, Billy Price got injured. Um, and Isaiah Wynn was nursing an injury coming back, and so neither of them were able to test in a lot of these areas. Now, Isaiah Wynn does have 33 and a quarter inch arms, which tells you that he's still in the running. So he's a guy that we might look at. Um, three guys that do not have 33 inch arms, but did score high enough on the trench explosion formula are Will Hernandez, the guard out of UTEP. Um, so Will Hernandez's comp has been uh, Richie Incognito. He of the recent Twitter firings and retirings. Uh, and he's a guy, he's a people mover. Like, he's, he's a really interesting player. Um, he's going to be a late one or early two. Uh, Braden Smith out of Auburn. He has 32 and a quarter inch arms. Um, so Will Hernandez was uh, 3.467 on the Treads Explosion. Braden Smith was a 3.58. And then Scott Quisenberry out of UCLA, the center, has 31 and three quarter inch arms, which is really, really short. And he was a 3.1. So out of those guys, I think that Hernandez or Braden Smith has a shot. I don't think that Quisenberry really does. He doesn't fit a lot of the other things that we usually look for on the roster. Plus, he's a pure center, whereas uh, Braden Smith can play guard or possibly tackle. Though I don't think we would. All right, here's a tack. Here's a tackle that fits all your, that checks all your boxes, Kevin. Connor Williams. Yep. And he fits right in because he gets a lot of penalties. This is my problem. <laughs> this is my Connor Williams issue. Is that he had 13 penalties and he just he was like Mister Penalties. Uh, he's also coming back off of an injury and he played in a really scrappy game against West Virginia where he got a bunch of his penalties in one game. Yeah. I like, I like him. I felt Con- Connor Williams. He's a good athlete. Connor right. Williams is a late one, early two. He was a 3.18 on the trends explosion formula. Yeah. He's six, five, three twenty. He might play right tackle. He might play guard. Like he's really cool. Um, a couple other guys that are going to be in that, like first two days of the draft rounds one, two and three. Colton Miller. Yeah, Colton Miller grades out pretty good, right? What Was he over three? Uh, he was a 3.31. Um, really long arms. I do not want him. He's going to remind me a lot of Jermaine Effetti if we draft him. When we drafted Jermaine Effetti, I was like, or Effetti was on my list of people that I was really not super high on. But he fits like what the Seahawks like. Yeah. So... Um, he's a developmental prospect. So my draft guide, Kevin, it grades him out based on um, pass block, run block, screen block. And his screen block thing is so low, which is, I know is something that would drive you nuts, is to watch a guy just blank on a screen block. Yep. <laughs> just thinking about like him running out there and just not blocking anyone. Not just, my favorite. <laughs> Kevin, that will make that will make Kevin go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I might go a little Luke Wilson on him. Uh, um so. And then the other guy that's going to be a high round pick, aside, and I'm I'm just ignoring Quentin Nelson because he's going to be gone way before that. I would trade my left testicle for Quentin Nelson. Um, but uh, Frank Ragnow, the center from Arkansas, who people also say can play guard, his arms are over 33 inches. He was a 3.28 on this TEF. Um, really athletic, 27 inch. Like he hit all the ideals or above. So he had 27 reps. You're supposed to have 27 reps. He had a 33 and a half inch vertical and 115 inches in the broad. So nine foot seven. Like this dude's really, really athletic and not getting a lot of talk. If we got Frank Ragnow in the second round, I'd be ecstatic about that. I think he'd be a difference maker at guard. Kevin, did you scout Wyatt Teller? I didn't. That's why I'm asking. I did scout Wyatt Teller. Okay. Teller's supposed to be between rounds three and five. And so he was the next person I was going to talk about for that exact reason. Sweet. Because so, I was going to say, he's checking all the boxes you were talking about, yep. so I was hoping you scouted him. Yeah, 30, 30 reps, 29 inches on the vert, 114 inches on the broad, um, 3.23 on the trench formula, uh, 6.4, a little over 300 pounds, um, which is where it becomes a bit of a question mark, because he's clearly a guard. Um, he's only ever played guard. He has 34-inch arms, so I guess you could try him at right tackle, but he's not experienced at right tackle at all. 
So he's going to be a guard, but his weight's kind of low. So I'm interested in how he would fit in Solari's offense. Yeah, he he um the stats look make it look like he's kind of a he's kind of a bulldozer. Like he never gave up a bull rush pressure, but he gave up a lot of outside pressures, which is weird for a guard. It means that he's probably really slow. <laughs> he's uh, going to remind you of Brit in a lot of ways, I yeah, think. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a very similar player to Brit, except he already has more guard experience. So I think the transition would be better for him. Powerful but but not um but not fleet of foot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, except he can get outside for blocks pretty well, but I think he mostly uses like field awareness Brit, for that. Britt was not a bad at pulling. Let me yeah. just throw that out there. When Britt pulls, he he gets people. Like I, that's one of my favorite things about Britt is he's a really good puller. So like puller. I feel like if we got Teller in like the third or the fourth, I wouldn't feel too bad about that. But especially if it was like more like fourth or the fifth. Yeah. But I would. I'm not sure about spending a third round pick on him. Britt just Britt just can't handle edge, NFL edge rushers like that. Which is that's. Lots of people can't. I can't. Right. So, so, yeah. Oh well. Like you can't handle NFL red rusters. You're. He still found a way to be useful NFL player because he's strong. He's smart. Like yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Kevin. That's right. a and then a couple of guys there. to kind of take a look at for later. Uh, Colby Gossett out of uh, Appalachian State is going to be like around four through six guy. Uh, he scored a two point eight eight on the trenching uh, explosion formula, which is pretty close. He has uh, almost 34-inch arms. He played a lot of left tackle. Um, he had the requisite strength, 32 reps on the bench, um, but his explosion numbers are a little lower. So I could see him being a guy we took a flyer on in the fifth or the sixth round who could end up being pretty good. And then Brandon Parker out of North Carolina A&T. Um, this dude's huge. Uh, Brandon Parker's like 6'8". Uh, he's 6'7", 314. Um his bench numbers were low, but he has 35-inch arms. And once your arms get that long, it's really hard to bench. So he had 21 reps on the bench, but his other numbers were pretty close. <laughs> okay. so, so uh, um, And he's another guy who might be in, like, the fourth or the fifth round. So those are a couple of guys who might have tackle flexibility that could be, like, late later round picks. That um, 2.88 and 2.85 on this trench explosion formula, which is higher than Mike McGlinchey. Okay, how about this, guys? This is a pretty good center's draft. Uh, it's deep and bo- and talented, yep. but it's hard to justify drafting a center when we have two guys on our roster who are basically centers. Postage and Brit. So all we have all these guys: uh, Ragnow, Quisenberry, Billy Price. Um, that I feel like would be teams guys that this team would go for, right? Yep. Um, so. Do you, is there a chance that we trade down and pick like whatever center falls and then just try to move people around a little bit or is this a uh, is this kind of a is this not a thing that that the Seahawks might do? Do you think there's a chance that that's our draft strategy? This sounds exactly like what the Seahawks do. We reach in the in the offensive line realm anyway. We reach a little bit, we move people around, we draft a defensive lineman, we move them to the offensive side of the ball. I think that this is something we I could definitely see the Seahawks doing. I don't really want to do it. Now, I will defer to, uh, like, anytime we do draft talk like this, I just sit back and learn. Uh, anytime you guys are talking about this, I'm looking up guys on my phone being like, ooh, let me watch some of this. Kevin, are there any centers in this draft, in this very deep center draft, that you really like who you can see maybe playing a right guard position? Or moving over to other parts of the ball, or or pushing Britt back to guard if that's what you if that's what we would want to do. Because remember, Britt Britt's good at center, but it took Britt a while to be a valuable offensive and, lineman. And there's there's a chance that maybe he's just kind of figured it out and he could play any of the interior line spots, right? Yeah. Or it's also possible that you know we're paying him a little bit, maybe he would move on because centers do cap value. You know, you have a team like uh, the Bills had Eric Wood retire out from under him. You know, it's possible that someone will pay you a bit for him. But uh, if I could draft a center in this draft, I'd draft Frank Ragnow. I, he's uh, taller. He has a bigger build. He's 6'5", 310, which means that he can uh, set himself up for the, for the frame to play guard. And this dude is really, really athletic. Like, he moves and has explosion out of center that you don't see that often. I'm not sure why he's not getting more buzz as a higher round center. Like, if this dude's sitting there in round three, he could be a big-time steal. Yeah, uh, him and Billy Price, people say both of them could be potentially guards at the next level. <laughs> yeah, um, and so. Billy Price would be really interesting that way, too. He's just, he tore his pectoral, so I don't have any of his numbers because he wasn't able to test. Yeah, he didn't test out at the at the combine. He just, uh, you just have to look at his college stats and re- recognize that 
pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he seems like he should make it. Like, I'm as high on Frank Ragnow as... I, I'm almost as high on Ragnow as I am on Isaiah Wynn. Yeah. And I know how... We all know how much, Kevin. Kevin wants to win. Yes. Uh, all right. win, I want to win back. Our last position, uh, we think of highest need. That's why we covered these three first, right? These are our three. Uh, like, probably the team thinks their highest need, at least right now. Uh, cornerback. Yep. Right, so, cornerback... Um, cornerback seems this year to be exceptionally deep there and there's lots of mobility. Um, I've seen, depending on who the mock drafter is, you know, you see guys like Jair Alexander and Mike Hughes moving all over people's mock drafts, right? Isaiah Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. And Isaiah Oliver too, from Colorado. Those guys all I've seen them in, I've seen them in first round of people's mocks. I've seen them out significantly out of the first round of people's mocks. Yeah. So. So all these guys are going to take uh, skilled evaluators, right? Obviously, people have differing differing opinions on a lot of these guys. Kevin, um, what do we? What do the Seahawks look for when they draft a cornerback? So this is another one where they have a very specific type. Uh, the shortest corner that we've ever drafted was Walter Thurman at five eleven, and it's always longer. It's always bigger than that. <laughs> and so I, sorry, I'm having a little bit of a hard time. My numbers are a little skewed. No, it's okay. Um, let me let me keep it going, Kevin. So we go for the tall cornerbacks. Um, they also like longer arms. Uh, and yeah, the arm length has to be over thirty-two inches, and, basically and for sure. Speed does not matter as much. I know that um, speed is one of the things they don't really care about as much in terms of like athletic uh, things they're looking for. You have for. to be in the mid four fives or faster. But that's but not exceptionally that's not fast, fast for a cornerback. Like, let me give you an example. There are guys in this cornerback class that ran four three six forties. Anthony Averett out of Alabama. That's the guy the Seahawks um, probably wouldn't be interested in, but it's possible. I mean, he is he's still six feet, but the there's guys that are very very fast. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and like we grabbed one last year. Uh, Sha- uh, Shaq Griffin ran four three eight. Right. It, but you know Richard Sherman was four five six. Byron Maxwell four four six. Jeremy Lane four five three. Four five one for Thurold Simon and Ty Smith. Right. And what the basic idea here is that the four five six that Josh Jackson ran at the combine is not going to slow the Seahawks down, even though it seems like other teams or other evaluators might be bumping him down a little bit for that. Uh, that's not going to stop the C- the Seahawks, right? Uh, uh, the the another so let's let's talk, Kevin. Who's there up? Let's look at the top guys. Okay, we'll go top top guys because it seems like if we keep pick eighteen, cornerback is one of the positions we see most likely to use a pick at. So the top guys, according to uh, the draft guide I have, I'm going to cut it off at seven because I feel like there's a there's a drop off after that. Okay. Okay. So Josh Jackson, Minka Fitzpatrick, Denzel Ward, Dante Jackson, Mike Hughes, Isaiah Oliver, and Jair Alexander. Is there anyone you'd include in that group of? First, second round cornerbacks that I that I missed right there. Or do you feel like uh, that's Carlton a, Davis out Car- of Auburn? Carlton Davis is good too. I agree. Um, I just kind of feel like he has fallen out of favor. But he's fallen out of favor a little bit. But I will say, Josh Jackson, Carlton Davis, and Isaiah Oliver are all prototypical Seahawks corners. All right. So which flat out? Which one's your Which one's your favorite? Uh, man, which of my kids do I like best? <laughs> uh. If we end up with any of these three, they immediately slot in and are a difference-making cornerback in our defense, period. End of story. So Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis, Josh, Josh Jackson, Jackson, and Isaiah, Oliver. Isaiah I, Oliver. I would be thrilled with any of them. So Kevin, you know I have um, – I watch more Pac-12 football than anything else. So I, I know – and you know I love Colorado secondary players. I was really excited last year when we drafted Tedrick Thompson because I loved Colorado secondary. Um, Isaiah Oliver is um, – is good. He, I he struggles against guys who are really fast, and I don't. Yeah, he ran a four five forty. He's so that it, that worries me, you know that. But he has the Seahawks body type for sure, man. He's six foot one. He has thirty three and a half inch arms. He's really strong. Well, let's talk about what the Seahawks do, because Eric always asks that question: If we draft a guy, you know, what can we fix, right? That's always kind of that big question. And if he's sh- and he's shaky at covering guys, right? So that is that something you think the Seahawks can fix? Like he's shaky at following tough routes and shiftier receivers. And I don't like that. And so the thing with the Seahawks is that uh, it's that slide step that Pete Carroll has been teaching forever, and it's it benefits you if you have longer arms because it really teaches you to kind of keep in contact with the wide receiver but what it does is it allows a player to use their length and strength a little bit more than what a corner normally can do 
So it if you're a player that tends to get overrun, um, as long as you have some straight line speed, this is the type of system that rewards you. You know, you know so you... that's the type of thing that players tend to look better in our defense on. All right, you know who reminds me of Kevin is last year Akella Witherspoon. How Akella Witherspoon used his long ass arms to just like break up a ton of passes, yep. and this guy's the same way. Right, he just uses. I can see that he uses his long arms to break up a million passes, and he's he's got flaws in his game. Akello had flaws in his game too, but he seems to have started to figure it out in San Francisco already. And I wouldn't be surprised if if um, Oliver follows a similar path where there's some there's some rocky starts in the first year, but by year three he's pretty good. I think Witherspoon's on that trajectory where by year three he's going to be a you know borderline Pro Bowl football player. Yeah, I will say I like Jackson and Davis both slightly more, but I think that all three of them are proven against high-level competition. They're all six foot and over. They're all like 33-inch-plus arms. And their draft stocks are all taking a hit because they ran slow at the yep, combine. they ran 4'5", four, 4'5", five, four, five, and 4'5", But they also had, like, uh, let me put it this way. Um, Carlton Davis and Joshua Jackson both outbenched Orlando Brown. That is a factor when you're talking about a press corner. Yeah. All right, give me... Uh, since we're almost, we're way out of time. We're in way in super overtime here. So uh, I got some for rounds so give me, three to five. Yeah, and I was four say, to six. give me one, give me one favorite mid round guy and one favorite late round guy. And I'll just give, I'm just going to give one favorite late round guy. Unless oh, it's a dude, double I'm going to give you more than one. I can't, I can't not. Okay. So, uh, I want you to keep an eye on Christian Campbell out of Penn state, Holton Hill out of Texas, Quentin Meeks out of Stanford and Isaac Yadam out of uh, Boston college. Those all fit the measures in round three to five. And then late round, Brandon Faison out of Virginia Tech and Demontre Wade out of Murray State. Right. These are all over six foot, all with the requisite speed, all with long arms. Holton Hill is my guy. So so I you, love you nailed Hill. that. Holton Hill is really good. Um, a guy who ran a really bad 40 is going to go at the very end of the draft that could end up being really good, Tavares McFadden. There you go. Um, he's really huge. He can make really good plays. He just gets uh, beat a lot. He just gets beat a lot because he's slow. Four six seven forty. And at his pro day, he ran just as slow. The, the thing that, that for me about McFadden, though, is if we keep Earl Thomas, he can make up for the fact that this guy doesn't have elite speed. And this know, guy dude. is so physical at the line. He's really physical at the line, but <laughs> he, he just... That's the thing. In this in this defense, you can be a step behind somebody, uh-huh. but you have to be able to get your hand on the ball. And he's so much slower that he can just get beat over the top in a way that this defense can't afford. I'm going to I'm gonna say this. Tavares McFadden could be Brandon Browner. And I think that's... That's maybe what we need right now. That we is might. his high side, and if he's available in round seven, man, or six, I'll take a flyer on him to yeah, find that, out. That's, that's where worth he, it. That's where he'll be, I think. Is we're, we're going to be looking at him right at the end, seeing where he's at. So, All right, I could do that. Yeah. All right, so um, that's our draft coach money zone. For um, If you want to support us monetarily, you don't just get straight up give us money. You can head over to patreon.com slash Seahawksnets for as little as $1.24 a month. That 24 is for Marshawn. Thank you, Marshawn, for helping us. Uh, you can help us out and give us um help us buy new equipment help us uh make do things uh, man help, <laughs> you can help us buy new equipment whoa, you can help whoa, us wait. And red alert we have 16 patrons now i gotta look i gotta oh look goodness. we're up to we're up to 16 patrons i apologize patreon thank you Luke, lucas and forest oh my goodness you guys are our heroes of the of the nation uh, you have joined us for April. You are ready for next season's NFL Picks podcast, where we give away our NFL picks. You are ready for Kevin's draft players we drafted breakdowns. You're ready for my once and off season video, <laughs> where I make a video about an individual player. Also, because I had to run through it just for our Patreons, I'm going to go ahead and take my draft notes that I have sitting here and post them up so you can take a look at what I'm talking about. Yeah, and those guys both they both uh, they both went at the Black Santa level in honor of a former Seahawk, Michael Bennett. So they get they they need we needed to mention them on the podcast. So I'm glad I looked. And then also I need to send out some stickers. I got the stickers with the old logo on it, which we got rid of because it had the NFL logo on it, and we thought that that was maybe a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> we thought that we thought the NFL might not like that we used their official. The logo. NFL would be fine with it. Roger Goodell. <laughs> angry once we got over 100 listeners we had to start thinking about that kind of stuff we're like oh wait 500 people a week listen to this oh we got we changed our name to the seahawks nest and it gave us uh, it afforded us uh, a lot of followers 
It also kept Doug Baldwin from being our friend. Yeah, Doug. We this so in this little inside baseball for the people who stuck with this this far. We we had a, a we were very close to getting Doug Baldwin to guest on our podcast, but the Seahawks I so, media I was on the phone with his agent like, yeah, multiple times. The Seahawks <clears throat> the Seahawks uh, media department said it's not okay because our Seahawks podcast has the word Seahawks. We're not in the NFL name. sanctioned. We do not have written uh, express consent. And we put their name in our podcast. Yeah, which is not again. It's not not allowed. You can put the word Seahawks in the name of your podcast. Um, there was a big case about a Mets podcast that they um, yep. they they won a court case about it. But um, it the you know the media department doesn't want to make us look official. Whatever, man. We're officially sweet. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you have if you have no money and you want to support facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest, twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest, you can give us five stars on your favorite podcast app, including Google Play Store, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podcast Republic, wherever you find your podcast, go ahead and click that heart button, that thumbs up, that five stars, or you know what? Follow the Seahawks Nest Instagram. It has no pictures and it's a challenge to find it. And if uh, you have any questions or anything for the draft, you know, this is the next the next podcast is the last one before the draft. Yeah. So send any questions you have or anything, we'll try and hit what we Please can. Please send them on Twitter or Facebook though. Do not send them to the email that's on our website because we check that about as much as um Nathan checks his oil, which is not often. Okay, so uh, <laughs> my car might just blow up. At and any also, time. if you're, you know, if you're really high on a player and Kevin is low on that player, come at him. Argue, yeah. Kevin. Come at, Kevin loves. Me, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin loves arguing about football players. But I mean, we'll, we can tackle it next podcast, and we can. It is one give thing. Give me I, your reasons, and I'll give you mine. It is it one thing is that usually players Kevin like likes I usually like. So I'm like, oh man, it's the same guys. But uh, I'll be honest with you, Kevin. I don't want us to draft a cornerback in the first round. I'm this little bonus Seahawks content after. Just because I those first round guys, I'm I'm a little wary of most of them. I'm like, ooh, they are good, but are they that good? Ooh. These corners? I would rather us draft like a safety. I'd want Minka Fitzpatrick or Derwin James before I'd want any of the cornerbacks. And I know maybe that they're both probably both gonna get picked before we pick, but I'm just saying, like, I love the safeties in this draft. I want to trade down to the very, very beginning of the second round and pick whichever of those corners falls. I agree with that. that That's will my ideal scenario. That will work for me. And an extra third-round pick. Because I just think there's, yeah. there's risk associated with all of them. Sure, it's um, corners. All right. But I think they're all... I, I don't know. I just... I think they're all really good. All right. Uh, so, movie, movie club. We have <laughs> less than five minutes. We have so, as long as we want. Oh, man. I, I just... I can't. This is the longest. This is the longest. Nathan's one. brain is about to fall. My out. brain is melting. All right, here we go. My 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 um thing, my movie this week. Okay, is a movie Kevin's seen and Eric hasn't. Uh, maybe Eric's seen it. I'm not sure. But I watched Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle and with The Rock starring Jumanji. in starring in Rampage this week. I thought it would be fun if we covered another stupid action movie that The Rock was in. In Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, and here's the one thing I'm gonna do. We're gonna compare. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, talk about the old Jumanji a little bit too. So, Kevin, first, uh, the new Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. What is your what's your uh, what's your review of the movie? So, I want to start by prefacing that I the original Jumanji I consider to have been a rotting giraffe corpse. That Robin Williams managed to drag into watchable. Dang it! You stole my hot take. Is that that movie's not that good? If if Robin Williams wasn't in this movie, no one would remember it. It is the popomatic trouble of movies. And here's the you thing: you remember one thing about it is that Robin Williams was really good. He's so good in that movie. I'm, I'm not gonna drag Robin Williams one second. He's amazing in that movie. But the original Jumanji movie has the CGI that has aged the worst of almost any movie I've ever watched. It's really like, bad. I rewatched it like a year ago, and I was like, whoa. Like, you watch Jurassic Park back, and you don't think like, oh, this 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 uh, CGI is really distracting. But you watch Jumanji back, and you're like, this CGI is really distracting. Like, yes. I cannot handle how bad it is. So it looks like a sci-fi original movie that they somehow got Robin Williams to be in. That's how good it is. Well, I mean, he was in <laughs> Flubber. Certainly he would be in Jumanji. <laughs> that's true. I maybe he's not the most discerning guy, but he's a good actor. So yes. that that's kind of uh, my thing. So with that being said, I had really low expectations coming into this movie because the original property sucks, and because it didn't need a sequel, it looked like a cash grab. It did, um, but I was like, you know, the cast is fine. Uh, sure, let's give it a go. I came in looking for a five, and I got a seven. Yeah, seven. And that seven, always feels so good. Seven and seven and a half. Is there a heist it's involved in this? There was no heist involved. Oh, okay. It's a surprisingly solid movie, 
And the thing that the really funny parts are funny. And the thing that really makes the movie is that um, it's a body switch comedy. Let's just start with that. Which is not a good start. Which is not a good start because body switch comedy you suck. But Jack Black, I never <laughs> thought I would say yes. this, but Jack Black does stuff in this movie that I just couldn't imagine another human being successfully pulling off. I'm like, Jack Black really understood what they wanted him to do, and he executed it just perfectly. He was a he's, character physical comedy actor in this he's movie. He's so good. He's so good. I cannot handle how... I hate that Jack Black was so good in this movie, because I, I want to hate Jack Black. Oh, really? I don't have a problem with him at all. But but, I, but I can't. He's just He was just awesome in this movie. And you know what? It made me reevaluate how I feel about Jack Black. And maybe, you know what? Maybe Jack Black's not so bad. I feel now the same watch about... Thunder. <laughs> He's good in that too. I feel the same about The Rock in this one too. By the way, um, they wanted The Rock to do a thing, and he did the thing really well. And you'll see we're edging around this, Eric, because we want you to watch this movie and enjoy it. And uh, there's a bit of a surprise in there that's not a super big th- surprise because it's given away in the previews. But it's just you need to be able to enjoy it all the way. And um, I will say this: best use of a Jonas brother possible in any movie. <laughs> um, that that's that's a thing. Uh, yes. Um, the entire uh, storyline with that character I thought was excellent. I mean, let's be honest. It won the Kids' Choice Award for Best Movie, and that's exactly what this movie should win. It was a great family movie. Actually, you want to know my endorsement for this, Eric? This is the kind of movie that if you're flipping through the channels that it's on, you'd be like, oh, I'll watch that. At, oh, at you any know point what? That gets right up my you alley. You can pick it up at any point. You in the could movie. jump in at any point, and if you've seen it before, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, this this is gonna be fun." Sounds like a summertime movie. It is a collection of enjoyable scenes. I like Karen Gillan too. She's she's pretty good. She did very well in this. Yeah, so. um, also, uh, the teen actors should not be underappreciated. And they were the they, kid acting was solid. They were obviously like low budget actors. They did not. They were not like, oh, we're not going to spend money on this. But they did a good job getting people who weren't going to screw it up. Yeah, this was not X-Men Origins. <laughs> Wolverine? <laughs> the worst kid acting in a movie any, I've ever seen in my that, life. Anything that starts or ends with X-Men. It's bad. All right, so that's uh, that's our quick uh, take on Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. If you've seen Jumanji and you liked it or you hated it, send us a message. <laughs> Uh, let us know because my favorite thing is people who listen to podcasts and they're like, "Man, that movie club was really questionable. You guys suck." And I'm like, "Dog, I put it at the end so you could just turn it off <laughs> if, you, yep. if you want." So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Gronovec, I'm Nathan Sano, and we will see you next week. Go Hawks! And if you're mad right now, next time take that hard pass. Go, 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 go.